0: Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. It's a Monday here in the basement. You know what that means, OG. That means time for a Navy Federal shout out to our troops serving this country. So on behalf of the men and women at Navy Federal Credit Union and the people making this podcast here in Mom's Basement, shout out to the troops. Let's go stack some Benjamins together, shall we? Good evening.
1: I'm Ron Burgundy, and this is what's happening in your world tonight. Live from Joe's Mom's Basement, it's The Stacking Benjamin Show. <laughs> I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and today isn't just Juneteenth. It's World Productivity Day, so let's light this candle. On today's show, we welcome the woman who's going to help you learn to first crawl so later you can ball, Buffy Purcell. And in our headline segment, more fallout from last year's GameStop debacle. And now, the Securities and Exchange Commission is involved. We'll explain what that means to you. And later, we'll succinctly and cleanly show you how we throw out the Haven Lifeline, and I'll demonstrate the real way you power through an amazing trivia question. And now, two guys who could use a little more pep in their step, especially on this dual holiday, Joe and O-J-J-J-J-G!
0: Happy Juneteenth to all of you. It is Monday here in the basement, and that means we got the crew together, even though it is a federal holiday. That's how we roll. We've got Mr. OG hanging out across the card table from me. How are you, my friend?
2: What's happening? I'm trying to get my uh, my Monday voice going. It's uh, <clears throat> still on the weekend voice.
0: I thought <laughs> you were going to say, trying to get my butt moving, because that's kind of where I am, too, on a usual Monday. But you were peppy today, man. Today, you're, but Doug, he's emailing us, texting us at uh, what, like 20 minutes early, going, hey, let's get going.
1: Let's do
2: it. Let's
0: do
1: this. Let's make a show, guys. Still full of his normal sandpapery self, but at least he was up and moving and sending us stuff.
2: It was was a little sandpapery, but
0: hey, holes, let's do this
1: early. Hey, Joe, let's go. Come on. I'm ready to go. (laughs) Let's get on this thing.
0: (laughs) It was great. (laughs) Well, somebody who has absolutely no sandpaper. She's an amazing human being. I'm so happy we've got her here today. Buffy Purcell is worried about intergenerational poverty, and she wants to help you learn to crawl so you can ball. Crawl so you can ball. We're going to talk about how we do that. She is a serial entrepreneur, helps people start businesses. She started a ton of different businesses. We're going to talk about those as well and some of the keys to success. But before that, we got a headline. But even before that... That can increase the potential for compound returns. In other words, your money's breaking a sweat while you can be breaking bread. You'll never picture your money in the same way again. Betterment, the automated investing and savings app that makes your money hustle. Visit betterment.com to get started. Investing involves risk. Performance is not guaranteed. All right, Buffy Purcell waiting in the wing. So let's get your headline started.
2: Hello, darlings. And now, it's time for your
3: favorite part of the show, our Stacking Benjamin's Headlines.
0: The debacle that is GameStop, OG, never goes away. It continues. Shucks. You looked at GameStop stock recently at all?
2: No, yeah, it's in the hundreds, last I knew.
0: About 150 a year ago, it was trading at 300. 150 is actually up. It's actually in the past and also few
2: weeks. Five dollars.
0: <laughs> oh, and also, yes, right. It is amazing how the stock is done the past year, largely down for the most part. However, as they change out the management team on last quarter's earnings that just came out a couple weeks ago, they had higher than expected revenue on stronger sales than expected. They also though had a bigger loss than they expected as they do a management shuffle and and, uh, bring in a new management team that that they've been working on the past year, OG, is they're moving into uh, more crypto related stuff on the way for GameStop. But. Makes sense. Crypto Xbox games. What? You buy your Xbox exactly. games with crypto. Buy your Xbox with crypto. <laughs> Just- yeah, move, move into crypto. Oh, I thought they were. Okay. You thought they were what? Yeah, I thought
1: GameStop was like figuring out a way to link together all of the consoles across the world, the Xboxes and the PS5s and PS12s or whatever they are now, and then use all of that processing power while people are like racing around Monaco. Every time they complete a lap, it's harvesting Bitcoin.
0: Like you go past Go in Monopoly. It's like the updated version of going past Go. We can now turn the Xbox into a profit center, OG. He's making us all money.
2: My kids would love that idea. They must think that already because (laughs) of all the time that they spend.
1: Yeah. Actually, parents everywhere would suddenly be buying Xboxes and encouraging their (laughs) kids to get on. Yes. Go game more. Jimmy, get in that basement and get on that racing game. Don't you have Madden to play?
0: I don't want to play Mario Kart anymore, mom. You heard me. (laughs) Your brother needs a new pair of shoes. Part of that debacle a year ago was uh, this idea of order flow and the idea that companies like Citadel were purchasing order flow from Robinhood. And now the Securities and Exchange Commission seems to agree because they are getting involved. Uh, This is from Investment News. SEC takes aim at payment for order flow. This piece is written by uh, the team at Bloomberg News, actually. Wall Street's top regulator previewed a set of sweeping changes to rules underpinning the U.S. stock market setting up a major clash with some of the biggest names in equity trading. I love that. In this corner, Robinhood, in this corner. Uh, Securities and Exchange Commission Chair Gary Gensler said he's asked the agency staff to weigh the moves with the aim of making the $45 trillion U.S. equities market more transparent and fair. His plans could directly impact how firms like Citadel Securities, Virtu Financial Inc., and Robinhood Markets Inc. process retail trade orders. And Market Dynamics, the industry executives say, have allowed brokerages to stop charging their clients commissions. So uh, the industry is fighting back, OG, saying, hey, this is why trades can be free, is because we charge these other people, and now you're going to take that
2: away. Yeah. Yeah, I like the fact that uh, the Robinhood, whatever, chief counsel or whoever their lobbyist person was like, oh, the retail trader is doing so good right now, and the SEC comes in to screw them up. You know, this is not the time or something like that. It's like, said another way? We're making money. Leave us alone.
0: Well, you know, there's a tons of people reading this stuff the last couple of weeks. What's the voice of reason here? Is the retail investor being screwed and we need the SEC to come in? Retail investor not being screwed? A lot of something about nothing? Where, where do you sit on this? What are we to make well, of it? I
2: mean, it doesn't really matter, right? I mean, if all of a sudden they got rid of all of the ways that brokerage companies make money on order flow, then they'll just figure out a different way to make money. Robinhood and Fidelity and Charles Schwab and all these companies don't do things out of benevolence. They do it to make money for their shareholders. And sometimes the shareholders are public and sometimes it's a private company. But nevertheless, they're doing it to to make a profit. And if you eliminate one area of opportunity for revenue generation then it's just going to flow to a different area. I think the biggest thing is the disclosure that's...
0: Yeah, because isn't selling your order flow, I mean, isn't that, aren't you, you're endorsing front running, right? You're endorsing the ability of somebody to get out in front of stock trades that they know are already coming in.
2: And it's been done for years and decades. I mean, when the first like fast internet connection was created, that was like, we need to have the fastest you know, the fastest, uh, computers. And then it was, we need the shortest point to point route between our office and, and the order center. And and there's all these stories about people buying up like direct lines of internet traffic so that they could like lay the shortest cable between their office. Yeah. But
0: y- yeah, but let's go back to when I got my series seven license that allowed me to trade. Right. When I got that license, I was told immediately as part of getting that license that me placing my order before my client's order was illegal, that I could not do that. I could not, if, if you came to me with an order where you want to buy 5,000 shares of, of GME, I am not allowed as the broker to put my order before
2: yours. And even worse than that, even if you don't do it that way, but you get a better price later in the day. You have to give them your better price.
0: So so how is this legal where Citadel can do this, where they're allowed to to openly, I mean openly, Robinhood says, Hey, we're about to trade this stock. Why don't you get in front of it? How can they legally do that and I couldn't?
2: Because they're not the same institution. Because it's an outside institution.
0: And they're, sell- they're just
2: selling the I mean, trade to an outside institution, yeah. Selling the information, too. If it.
0: somebody at Robinhood did that, with Robinhood being the broker, be illegal. But the fact that they're selling it to a third party makes it legal.
2: I don't know. I don't know the inner workings of it, but it seems like I don't even think they're selling that. They're selling the information of that. We're about to do this, FYI. We just packaged up 500,000 shares of GME we're about to sell. We're just telling you. What you choose to do with that information is up to you. That's probably what it is.
0: Yeah. And and it's funny because you and I, we've been doing this for a long time. I still don't know how much it hurts the average person and I still hate it. I still think it is just, just.
2: It's probably not a lot, but in aggregate, it's a whole bunch. And that's the issue. But you know, you, at some level, you get what you pay for. You took away the commissions or that was your platform, right? Robin Hood was like, this is all free. This should be free. This should be free. You know, pay no attention to the man behind the curtain, you know, it's like, well, again, the folks who started Robinhood and all the money that backed it, they weren't doing it out of the benevolence of their soul. It was like, we're doing this so that we can do something else. And and it just took a while for people to unravel exactly how they did make money. And you can disagree with it. You can say, I don't I don't like how they make money. Like, all right, well, then you have to do it a different way. But Schwab and Fidelity will just stop doing business with you. If they can't make money, they'll just right. say, well, we don't do business with little retail investors anymore. I mean, that seriously, that's what they'll say.
0: Well, what they do, they they go sell it to some other company, right? We've seen that before. If I can't make money in this area, I'll make money by selling off that business unit to somebody else. I'll just I'll just get rid of it altogether.
2: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Joe McCain, who heads execution services for Citadel Securities. What does that mean, Doug, when you had execution services?
2: It's like a Grim Reaper.
1: Wow. I thought, yeah, I kind of thought that that got outlawed a long that's, time ago. It's
2: right? like, like the dude from Braveheart at the very end. Oh, yeah.
0: man. Right? No. the
2: hood. Oh,
0: yeah. 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 Joe's got a
2: bad Free job.
1: Up. I think I pick a different name for that arm of my business. Tough. Nah, t- see what I did there. Arm.
0: Joe ah. jo- jo- jo comes home.
3: I actually didn't want
0: that nope. one. I didn't You're want look- the trombone. I wanted You're this one.
2: you looking for
0: the. <laughs> yeah. Where's that?
2: Nope. There we go. There it is. The- After
0: all of we've done a
1: thousand plus episodes, you don't know which button is which. I still put a
0: piece of tape over them and write that. Why would we label the button when it's time to press them all? Uh, Joe McCain, who heads Execution Services for Citadel Securities, said in an interview, "You know this is going to be good. Oh, gee, like g- guess what side somebody at Citadel is going to come down on."
2: Ah. <sighs> Middle finger, SEC, we're going to do what we want. Come at us, bro.
0: Actually, I think this guy's (laughs) underpaid because I kind of agree with him. (laughs)
3: Listen to
0: this. I know. I was expecting (laughs) the same thing. We already know the sentiment, which OG is what you're saying, but listen to how skillfully he says this to the point that I went, oh, yeah, that's a good, that's good. Retail has (laughs) a great experience. Joe McCain, who heads execution services for Citadel Security said, if the stated purpose is to make things better for retail... Then I think it's going to come down to a robust analysis of the data and validating so that we all agree the changes proposed will actually work in the favor of retail and not an unintended consequence that actually reduces the experience of retail investors in the market. How many times has the SEC done that, by the way? Unintended
2: consequence.
0: Oh, we're the government. We're here to make things better.
2: That actually is a really good answer.
0: It's a super (laughs) answer. It's like,
2: yeah, We totally want to help everybody. So yeah, as soon as you guys let us know, like exactly how this would impact the average person, you know, we'll be behind whatever you say. So why don't you guys go do that for the next five years and then come, come back and let us know what the average investor will uh, benefit from this new.
0: I wanted to cover this because a lot of finance geeks talking about this right now, OG, but I think we come down here that uh, a lot of something about nothing to you and me, nothing actionable we can do with that.
2: Yeah, nothing.
0: Time for our TikTok Minute. Maybe this will be something we could act on today. Our TikTok Minute is where we take a popular video on the internet, often from TikTok, and it's either amazing or, in air quotes, amazing. Which amazing is it?
2: You you already know my air quotes. Always. It's always air quotes.
0: No, you're almost never air quotes. That's why I
1: I make fun of you. You always always say it's going to be hashtag amazing.
2: Have you listened to any of these shows?
0: (laughs) I would love to see where the two of you guys come down on this, because this person has figured out when they talk about getting into an industry, find your competitive advantage. How can you beat everybody else? Right. What can you do well that other people can't do really well? And, uh, this, this boxer just won his, uh, boxing match. And well, this is, this is, uh, this is the discussion with the TV network after the match.
2: I think the real what deal farted, farted in the corner because it smells so, so bad. Did you fart in the ring, man? Yeah. You did? Yeah. Bro, it still stinks over there. What did you eat? I don't even know. Yes, you do. What did you eat? <laughs> so I fired <ate> some eggs. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I had some eggs. Then I went in the ring. Yeah. There is a, there is a photo of women sitting in the front row and they are choking. <laughs> they are choking. So did he win
1: by default or defart? Oh boy. I th-
0: I, there's that, that. Wait a minute. I found it that we time. Got the right button. I found Yay! it competitive advantage. OG know your competitive advantage.
1: Tell me that wasn't on purpose. You don't eat eggs. Before you're about to go get, just pound it on, oh, get sorry. all these like body punches. You don't eat eggs unless you know exactly what you're
0: doing. <laughs> that was all part
1: of his strategy.
0: We try to pick these because the audio is good and that audio is is very good. But I have to tell you, it's going to be worth it going to the show notes to see, to see this woman in the front row gagging <laughs> like just. How severe it is, you know, she's not even making
1: it. She is, it's, it's, this explains a lot. Let's back up a minute. You're saying that our criteria for picking a TikTok minute is only the audio quality? This
0: answers so many questions for me.
2: (laughs) It does kind of connect some dots, doesn't it?
0: Yes. (laughs) It It is so good. Thanks, Bill, for sending us that one. He sent me this. He's like, guys, got a competitive advantage. If you've got a TikTok video, or internet video you'd like us to look at stackingbenjamins.com actually joe at StackyBenjamins.com, email that to me and if you want to dive more into that I don't know that we want to dive more into our tiktok minute today but if you want to dive more into this gamestop debacle about what front running is about how companies like the citadel get in front of trades and some of the solutions that the sec has and more regardless of the episode subscribe to the 201 or newsletter StackyBenjamins.com slash 201 coming up next buffy purcell is waiting in the wings she is a serial entrepreneur she is a psychologist she helps people get around all the mental blocks they have and she is on this mission to stop intergenerational poverty great day to talk about that here on juneteenth but before we get to that doug you've got some trivia for us my friend darn right i do joe hey there stackers i'm joe's
1: mom's neighbor doug and on a major holiday like World Productivity Day, it's a great idea to get to the point. I mean, bite into that next segment, Joe. Swim through the next analogy, OG. Truth be told, I've taught these two everything they know. Watch this, today's the anniversary of the release of the film, Jaws, which hit theaters today, way back in 1975. It's still, by far, the highest-grossing shark movie of all time. And you may know of a lot of trivia about the film. Like, it wasn't originally supposed to be a summer movie. It was originally scheduled for a Christmas release. But delays and a mechanical shark that struggled to work correctly held up the movie. You may also know that the shark's name was Bruce, named after Steven Spielberg's lawyer. But do you know today's trivia question? Here we go what friend of director steven spielberg himself a young up-and-coming director had the pleasure of being stuck with his head in bruce's mouth when the shark malfunctioned while they were showing off the shark i'll be back with the answer right after i go
0: get a bigger boat we all have smartphones and we all know they're pretty amazing But they can also be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. Oh, God. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right. U.S. Cellular, a company that sells phones, wants us to put down our phones and to see what we find. Learn more at uscellular.com slash built for us. Buying a house can be a lot of fun, OG, but um, the process can be a real pain. Especially PIA is what they say. Especially when you're on the other side of the transaction. Which which
2: which side? On either side? It doesn't matter which side of the <laughs> it, real estate transaction you're on, it sucks. If you're on that side, None it of, sucks.
0: I'm not talking about anybody in particular. I'm talking about you. If I'm buying a house from you or I'm selling a house to you in particular, it's horrible.
2: Absolutely. I'm a nickel and dimer. You know me.
0: Take a bad process, make it worse throw in a little og in your home bike. what could make it better joe <laughs> i'll tell you doug i'm so glad you asked navy federal credit union here to help military members and their families tackle home ownership they offer mortgage options with zero down payment doug so you don't need to wait years to save they offer mortgage options that don't require private mortgage insurance so you'll save money each month members save two thousand five hundred dollars on average when they choose Navy Federal for their mortgage. With resources like Realty Plus, you can get an experienced real estate agent. They're a top VA home lender. Learn more at NavyFederal.org. Insured by NCUA, Equal Housing Lender. Hey there, stackers.
1: I'm shark lover and part-time Cape Cod lifeguard, Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug. That line... We're going to need a bigger boat. One of the most iconic lines uttered by star Peter Schneider during the film actually never appeared in the script. Schneider ad-libbed the line while filming and the crew decided to leave it in. But here's a question. Were you able to ad-lib an answer to today's question? What up-and-coming director and friend of Steven Spielberg's got his head stuck in a malfunctioning shark's mouth while touring the set? If you said Star Wars director George Lucas, you'd be right. And now, if you're ready to become up and coming with your money, here's a treat. Buffy Purcell.
0: And the woman helping end generational poverty. Great day to talk about this Juneteenth. Buffy Purcell is here. How are you?
3: I'm fantastic.
0: How are you? (laughs) Well, I'm great now that you're here hanging out with us. I want to start here. I know one Buffy. She's a total badass. She's amazing. How I mean, we did all are. you, well, of course, <laughs> duh.
3: How did you end up with the name Buffy? So, my mother loved this show, and I'm about to date myself, even though my skin doesn't look that I'm the age that I am. Um, she loved the show in the 70s called A Family Affair. And there was a cute little girl with pigtails named Buffy. And so when she had me, she named me Buffy.
0: (laughs) And and reading your book, by the way, because you have very little personalities, people are going to find out. You don't
3: have any
0: personality at all, Buffy. I thought it was like the badass Buffy the Vampire Slayer. I was sure that's what it was.
3: Yeah, and when I had my chain of tax practices, I tried to call it Buffy the Tax Slayer. Yes, and then I got a cease and desist from Twentieth Century Fox. Did you really? <laughs> yes. Did you really? I did. Isn't that dumb? Because don't you think that that kind of helps them? You True. know what I mean. But they yeah. proved confusion of the mark, so it's fine.
0: <laughs> that, that is is wild. So to tell people a little bit about you that don't know you, the three people that don't know you, <laughs> you have been on not one, but two reality TV shows?
3: Yes, I have. How do you even get into that? Like, how
0: do you, did you apply? Did you, what happened? People come after you?
3: Uh, For the Bravo show, yes. People came after me for several Bravo shows for a number of years, obviously, because I'm a little bit of a socialite in Atlanta and uh, known in those circles. But for the CNBC show with Marcus Lemonis, I applied. I thought it was an awesome opportunity to be his, you know, apprentice. And I had a lot of fun until I didn't.
0: That's I was going to ask because um, we tried One Step Marcus on the show and we didn't even get to Marcus, which is weird because we've interviewed a lot of people of Marcus's stature. But I was told by some people around Marcus that that dude's kind of a diva. Like you think you may be a diva. But he is a diva.
3: And I don't care if Marcus hears this because he knows he is more of a diva than I am. Uh, wears more cologne than I do perfume. His outfits are better than mine. Back then, I was still wearing labels. Ooh, that was before I was found. I was lost back then, <laughs> before I didn't wear my assets on my ASS. But um, yeah, he's a diva, and we got into some fun. Uh, Fights. And so I, I essentially quit the show in a way that I knew everyone would know that I knew what I was doing when I quit. Yeah. Um, I said that I didn't know how to read a balance sheet. Now, everybody knows that I know how to read a balance sheet. You probably sheet know how to read a balance sheet. Now. And Marcus was like, he whispered to me, Buffy, you know how to do this. And I was like, yeah, I'm out. And I was mad because we had worked like a 16 hour day and he made me pick up dog poop. And he was, and, and like, I was just like, dude, this is, I don't want this job this much. <laughs>
0: But he's, but he's very successful. How do you think he got to that level of success if he's that much of a diva?
3: He's smart. He's brilliant. And he does connect with the people that he needs to connect with. He's very strategic. And in business, you have to be. I'm not going to hate on him for that.
0: Well, and I want to talk about strategic because you were strategic from a young age. Uh, you made an offshoot of your family's tax practice starting at what age? How young were you?
3: I was 19. Yeah.
0: 19.
3: I was a little spoiled rich girl. And um, I worked in my family's chain of tech. My family had 10 branches when I was 16 in the state of Georgia. I was like, y'all are boring. This is very HR blockish, I don't want to do this. And so when I started college, I was like, I don't care if y'all cut me off. I found a little hole in the wall office that was $900 a month that I could afford. And that's a dangerous word, afford.
0: <laughs> yeah, I wanna get and, back to that. We'll get back to that.
3: Yeah, and I started Buffy the Tax Heiress, and I grew that practice into 5,000 clients within two years.
0: Yeah, so obviously you were doing something right then, and then you decided to become also a mortgage broker.
3: Yeah. I found that my clients were, you know, I was like, what are you doing with these tax refunds? What are you doing making all this money? You're not saving. What are you doing? Where are your investments? And I was like, they're not buying houses. And it was an intimidating process for them. So I went and became a licensed mortgage broker and I started originating loans from my clients. And that's taken (laughs) off too. Yeah. Yeah. It did really well. So now you
0: have two businesses doing really well. And then, and this is a heck of a story. Then it kind of comes crashing down.
3: 2008 baby
0: <laughs> yeah yeah yeah
3: <laughs> yeah I, I was smart i sold the the mortgage brokerage before i could see the end was nigh um i had clients coming in telling me well you said i can only afford a three hundred thousand dollars house but if we do this ninja product and i was like yep it's time for me to get out see, it's time. A, i was like i'm like a, I'm ninja not, pro,
0: a ninja product like a stealth loan is that, right? is that the
3: no income no asset and i'm like oh, oh, oh
0: i got gotcha. you yeah <laughs>
3: I'm like, you're not a self-employed person. You work a W-2 job at Coca-Cola. You don't qualify for that product. Well, my friend, I'm like, okay, go to your friend's place and don't come back as my tax client either because I'm not going to want to hear it later when you're in a mess upside down in this loan. And so I sold the brokerage. Uh, It was smart before the end came. And, you know, it was rough. (laughs) It was a rough time.
0: But at the same time, Buffy, on your lifestyle, you write that your lifestyle wise i mean talk about crawl before you ball you were you were balling i mean you were you were going to england to get extensions
3: yeah, when I was 19 and 20 years old. Yeah, I built my first house when I was 19. I started investing in real estate, and then I was working all the time and I was in college and I would see all my friends. They were always like jet setting and they always had on cute outfits, and I was looking of hot mess. And I was like, Well, why am I working so hard? And so I started listening to that little devil on my shoulder, and I was like, I deserve these things. So I started flying to London once a month to get my hair done, where Beyond i say was getting her we've done. And oh, <laughs> I was, I bought more shoes than the Mel DeMarco's owned. I just stopped doing what I normally did, which was to save the lion's share of my income and invest it. And I start spending it. And then baby, I looked in those bank accounts and the markets changed and the clients backed off. And I was like, Oh, crap. <laughs> and I had to mm. roll back. I had to kind of have a come to Jesus moment with myself. That's what, do you remember where you were then? Because for a lot of people,
0: like for me, I remember where I was, I ran out of gas and I just had no money. I was done. Uh, do you remember where you were when you're like, you know what, this got, this has to change now?
3: Yeah. I had gone to my office and there was a notice on the door from my landlord saying I was two months behind in rent. <laughs> yeah. 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 I, I was just bawling and like forgot. And I, you know, I was like, crap. I was doing too much and it was embarrassing and clients had seen it and my neighbors in the the office complex and I was just like yeah you're doing too much that was my rock bottom
0: Let's start uh, fixing this because not only did you fix your own Situation. Now you've fixed tons of other people's situations and some of the inspirational things that you've helped people with. But first of all, there's this idea of a budget. And I know for you, you're not a big fan of that word about the word budget.
3: No, because it scares people. People think that a budget is a four letter word, they think it's a curse word and it's a bit intimidating. And I don't think that your financial journey or financial fitness starts with the budget it starts with why do i do these crazy things that i do i think a lot of people who read all these books who go to all these seminars end up ultimately failing at changing their relationship with money because they don't first deal with why am i doing this what are the financial anxiety triggers that cause me to overspend because we all know that one plus one equals two honey and if something costs three dollars we ain't got enough money for it everybody knows that (laughs) Yeah. But what's funny is, you know,
0: you talk about getting into your brain and getting into your mental. I feel like we never talk about mental health and money. We we really don't put the two together enough at all.
3: And they're intertwined. There's no way to switch it around. You know, I have this digital course and I have this student who mentioned that her mother had money sickness and that, you know, on the 1st and the 15th of every month, she took to the bed and that she and her sister had to take care of their mother. And that is a story for so many people. And now as an adult, she's an HR manager making great money, doesn't have any financial problems, but she takes to the bed every 1st and 15th. Mm. And I feel like that's financial PTSD. That gets into our mental health and our we we just we feel that that's normal it's what happened when we were kids and so then once we're forced into the world regardless of what our situation is we still suffer and you know the people who watch their parents rob Peter to pay Paul when they become adults the schools don't teach you anything if your parents didn't know what to do about money once you're thrown out there you don't know what to do and so when you're struggling you think oh this is normal that's what life is no i'm here to tell you life is not about struggle it's about fulfillment and happiness. And, um, we've got to change the taboo nature of discussing finances period and your mental health.
0: Is that where it starts? Does it start with talking the stuff out loud about walking through some of the stuff we did when we were growing up or some of the things that our parents did? Like, where do we begin that process?
3: The first step in my book and in my digital course is what I call, what had happened was. (laughs) I love that. I I force people to say, hi, my name is Buffy. And what had happened was, it's akin to the Alcoholics Anonymous. Hi, I'm Buffy and I'm an alcoholic. I'm not, but you know what I mean. And so when you're forced to go back and say, so I was making all this money and I saw all my friends looking cute. And so I started flying to England and getting my hair because I thought I was Beyonce. like, And then all of a sudden I couldn't pay my rent at my office. And so once you say it out loud and you acknowledge it, Then something clicks. It changes because so many of us are so scared of people finding out that we don't have a good relationship with money. We're walking around with this avatar, you know, where I'm I'm a baller. I'm Jay Z and Beyonce. I'm this. I'm that. When really, if you go home, it's a financial mess. And it's just too much stress on your system and you confuse your brain. It's like, who are you? The avatar or the person that's really stressing? It's too much work. And we got to cut out the cray-cray, stop trying to keep up with the Instagram Joneses. They're broke. Trust me, I was in practice for 20 years and they were my clients. They ain't got no money either.
0: (laughs) Well, that was the next thing I wanted to talk about because, you know, you talk about that avatar. So many people are walking around with this avatar that's not them at all. You talk about this boyfriend, you call him Sam in the book who was a millionaire, a bajillionaire in his head. Everybody thought that he had tons of money. And it sounds like you were funding his lifestyle. Like you were funding everybody's lifestyle.
3: Yeah, I was a human ATM machine. I had what I call money guilt. I had uh, uh, wealth guilt. And I, because, you know, I come from this really loving family. Everybody's so huggy and everybody loves each other. It's so sweet. And I sometimes feel guilty because of that. And so when I meet other folks, I used to feel like, I had to like pay for their love. And I think a lot of people, if they really think about it, they, they can relate to that. Um, that kind
0: of feels, that kind of feels too Buffy, not to cut you off, but there's some like almost feeling guilty. Like you've got money and people around you don't. So there's this little bit of guilt going on as well.
3: Yeah. I mean, I, I grew up, I got a seven series BMW for my 16th birthday. Like I, Yeah, I have guilt. (laughs) Like it's my experience was not the same as everyone else. I spent my childhood in Germany. And so, yeah, there's some guilt, especially I'm a black woman. And a lot of people who look like me and that are in my orbit didn't have that childhood. And yes, I left my family fold to start my own businesses. But, you know, the reality is I could do that because I had the privilege of knowing that if I really failed, I had somebody that could bail me out. And everybody doesn't have that. And so, you know, I would see these, I saw the Sam jerk, um, (laughs) significantly older than me. I bought him a car, convertible child, saw that mug driving around in my car with another woman. And, you know, are you kidding me? Really? No. And I was crazy. I like stopped him in the intersection, left my car, kicked him out and drove off. And I didn't realize the woman was in the car until like a minute later. (laughs) She was so scared. (laughs) I left her at the bus stop where she belonged. (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> yes, she did. But it's not just you. And it's not just Sam. You talk about how so many people are walking around with this avatar that really isn't true. And we got to get over that. Like, we got to get over that. In fact, you were at a gas station. And so people recognized you from reality TV and they saw Bessie.
3: My baby Bessie. <laughs> can, can, can
0: you tell people who Bessie is?
3: Bessie was my beloved car. She was 15 years old. She had, and yes, she was a Benz, but she was an older Benz. And she was paid for. And she had raggedy seats and the air conditioning vents. Only one worked. It was the one near me. And the radio <laughs> worked. And so that was fine. She cranked up every day. And um, I was, you know, putting some fuel in, in little Bessie. I love that car. And this girl was like, you're Buffy from Bravo? This is your car? And I was like, yeah. Like, I was like, what's the problem? And she was just like, I thought you were wealthy. And I was like, darling, there's not enough time for me to go into how wrong what you're saying is. So I just said, thanks. I was like, hope you have a good day. And I drove home to my $3 million mansion.
0: (laughs) (laughs) But I love that because you take the car, which I I remember when I was working at the TV station in Detroit, one of the anchors had two leases. Uh, two lease vehicles, and they between the two of them, it was about 2,500 bucks a month g- going out the back. And what's bad was, and I felt horrible for her, she was surrounded by all these people taking advantage of her because mm-hmm. she had so much cash flow. And she felt like because she was an anchor on the news, she had to look a certain way, mm-hmm. you know? And yet, you cut your cost incredibly by having Bessie.
3: Right. Having Bessie enabled me to buy multiple rental properties that still make me money to this day, you know, (laughs) so it's a we've got to change this narrative that we've got to fake it until we make it. It's very toxic. And then when we make it, you think then, well, I've got to maintain or I've got to set the standard for everyone else. And no, you don't. You know what I mean? Just because you make a lot of money, it doesn't mean that you have to fall prey to these trappings of driving six figure vehicles and, and and you know, wearing uh, your assets on your ASS and labels and doing all this stuff. It's a trap. It's really a trap. And really, truly wealthy people, as you and I know, they drive late model cars. They invest in real estate. They're not wearing labels. And, and you know, people are falling for this millionaire marketing when real millionaires don't live like that. Well, and it's funny
0: because you walk through some of the chemical reactions that we have, right? this this dopamine hit that we get that the people that want to live this millionaire lifestyle think is really the drug that I'm going for. that you explain is a big part of the trap.
3: Yeah, I mean it's it's like craving sugar or an, a, a drug. You know, we we especially with the pandemic when everybody was cooped up and couldn't do anything and sad and scared about the world. And then all of a sudden it's, the world's open again. And we want to, you know, or even during the the pandemic, we want to crave these highs, these happy feelings and dopamine and serotonin provide that to us. But temporary. And so, like, you can go on Amazon and shop and you feel, oh, I'm going to get this cute thing. And when the box arrives, you get to unbox it and it makes you feel great. But then when that credit card bill hits, <laughs>
0: Yeah. Oops.
3: (laughs) Whoops. It's all gone. And so, you know, there are other ways that we can get those same feelings, like taking a walk or having social connectedness with family. You know, there there are plenty of things you can do other than than spending coins. And we definitely need not to be spending any money right now with this recession, honey. (laughs)
0: yeah no it's a great time to be saving money right right great time if it man if you're able if you have a job and you're able to it's a great time to try to save some money
3: i love how you say that if you're able that's so very encompassing i love that well because there are
0: some people i've been there i mean where i just couldn't you know you're like okay talk to me about saving lots of money let me find a job first right right let's crawl first buffy let's crawl right (laughs) right Hey, I wanted to ask you though, your husband being a a psychiatrist and I'm glad you got that right. And you, and you really, I got it wrong earlier for people that are wondering where that comment came from. And, And Buffy was very quick to correct me and right, rightfully so he's a psychiatrist. You work extensively with money and feelings. And I'm wondering about, you know, the time of COVID that you just brought up. And really what that kind of did to us, uh, because, you know, we went from a lot of us from some structured lifestyles to everything's just a giant malaise. And so maybe I felt like I needed that Amazon hit more or I needed, and because one thing that scares me right now is we're seeing these numbers coming out that people are now applying for tons and tons and tons of credit again. Right. Mm -hmm. So now that we can move around, I feel like COVID, I don't know, discussions at your dinner table with you and your husband, talk to me about COVID and money. And really, you know, what, what happened there?
3: A lot more people than they realize are depressed. They're suffering from depression and COVID fatigue and, you know, the world is uncertain right now. And, you know, mental health is just something that is so taboo in this country. I have no idea why. The brain controls everything in our body, honey. So it should be the most important thing. Right. If you're in a mental health crisis, it should be akin to if you're having a heart attack. But it's not looked on that way. And so a lot of people are suffering in silence. And you can't get out of bed. You're sad. You're still feeling, you know, like you're cooped up from COVID. And so, again, you're looking for these ways to make yourself temporarily happy. You're going on holiday when you shouldn't be. You're, you know, buying a new car when you work remotely and don't need a new car. You know, you make these irrational decisions because you're in a place of pain and you're not dealing with it a lot of people are hurting right now. Like my husband has a seven month wait list to get in. It's, yeah, un, it's crazy. I believe it. It's, I totally it's just, believe it. Yeah. That's horrible. And like the kids, I feel really sorry for the kids. Cause if you think like I have a nephew who's 19 now, He was in high school, you know what I mean? And then graduated and missed out on prom and all this stuff because of COVID. And we still don't know what that's done to these kids. You know what I mean? There are no studies yet. We don't know the effects that that's going to have on them later. And, um, you know, we really need to focus more on mental health for everybody. And I feel like we're not
0: going to know for 10 years. We're not, you know, Mm it's going to be 10 years from now. We're going to get all these weird side effects and people wondering what happened. Yep. Yeah. Tough stuff. If there is one overwhelming message that you have for people right now when it comes to their money, the place where money meets their health, what, what would that be?
3: One thing where the money meets their health? Quit trying to buy happy. Like, fine. I think we need to go back to the basics of let's spend time together at home. What's wrong with a potluck instead of giving all our money to these restaurants? Let's, you know spend time with family, fine. And family doesn't mean people you're related to. It could be your friends also. I think we've just got to quit spending a dollar to buy happy. Think more inward on what really makes you happy and not what society or society, they as I call society says should make you happy.
0: The book is called Crawl Before You Ball. I wish we could talk for another 45 minutes, (laughs) but that's not it. You also said you coach people. You have a course. How do people get a hold of you?
3: So my website is justbeingbuffy.com and I'm very popular on TikTok at Just Being Buffy. Uh, I cut up, I show out, I give little tidbits of financial uh, literacy information with a little snark and sarcasm, so it's not just feeding you vegetables all the time. And I feel you also- like
0: you're just entertaining yourself and bringing us with you. <laughs> you're totally entertaining you. You've got an audience of one.
3: <laughs> right. Me. I retired at 41 and I got bored. And so I was like, let me try this social media thing. And it's been fun. So yeah, that's how you can find me. And um, yeah, I have a digital course. It's fun. And I actually do uh, once a week uh, Zooms with my, my uh, students and we get into some fun stuff. And sometimes Dr. Purcell comes on and does mindfulness and and all, right. and all that.
0: Yeah. All right. We get the one-two punch, both the Purcells. <laughs> All right. And by the way, we'll link to all of that on our show notes page at stackingbenjamins.com. And as usual, we'll have deep dives on everything Buffy and I talked about in our newsletter, the 201. Buffy, great to meet you. Thank you so much for coming on.
3: Thank you. Get my book on Amazon, (laughs) (laughs) y'all. Smooches.
2: (laughs) Hi, I'm Derek. And when I'm not working on the hook for Joe's mom's next greatest rap album, I'm stacking Benjamins, baby.
0: Big thanks to Buffy Purcell for joining us. Oh, gee, I wish that woman was enthusiastic. I feel right. bad that she has no energy. She's going like, to kick it up. Not a enthusiastic notch. at all. I <laughs>
2: know, right? She had a little bit more passion. Maybe maybe there'd be a following.
0: Isn't that the exciting thing of, of doing this is being around people that that every day, all the people that come in and out of the bed, they love what they do. You know, And sometimes I think that the FIRE movement, financial independence, retirement early movement wouldn't be as big as it was. If more people were able to just find that thing, if you find that thing, man,
2: do what you love and you'll never work a day in your life.
0: Have
1: you ever met a Buffy who was just like a, you know, shy, introverted? They don't exist. Buffies and chips. And I mean, anybody with those kind of cool peppy names.
2: I mean, one of them was a vampire slayer. So
1: right. These are not wallflowers. Hardcore. They don't sit in the corner like a house plant. They are in
0: your face
2: got to be if you're a vampire slayer that's what buffy's do gotta be i
0: wonder if buffy's ever thought about calling herself like the debt slayer the intergenerational poverty slayer the business gone wrong slayer i don't know
2: doesn't fit in a business card i was thinking i
1: don't think you're selling a lot of t-shirts that say
0: intergenerational wealth slayer (laughs) Well, not intergenerational wealth. She doesn't want to slay the wealth. It have to be intergenerational poverty slayer, right? Poverty. Yeah. Like that's what you want to get rid of. Yeah. Hey, let's uh, throw out the Haven Lifeline, Contemplate something maybe a little bit more worthwhile. We'll tackle some of life's most important questions. Our friends at Haven Life Insurance Agency, Doug, they put what you value first.
1: Yeah. Finding allergy pills that actually work so I can see through my eye holes. You are in a tough spot this morning, my friend. It's rough it's a rough day there's a lot of things that are not working with my my physical machine
0: we've been saying that about you for a long time brother but it's even worse now so that's that's a tough tough day i'd love for you to be able to do that spend less time filling out life insurance applications those can be a pain with a bunch of stuff that the insurance company already knows it's amazing how these things are 10 and 15 pages long og when they could be very short. Their application is simple at Haven Life. It's online. You get an instant coverage decision. Prices are affordable. All policies issued by their parent company, Mass Mutual, more than 160 year old insurer. Get that done now.
1: So, are these apps where they already know most of the information about you? Are they just trying to catch you in a lie?
0: I don't know what it is. I just, I, I was doing my homeowner's insurance at Allstate and they asked me, What is the value of my house? <laughs> and so I, you know, so I go to Zillow, right? I go to Zillow, which every real estate person will scream at me and go, that's not the true value of your house. Okay, whatever. I'm just going to go there and take a quick look. So then I put in that number and you know what happens immediately when I fill it in, I hit enter. It says, well, our data says that it's this much. And I'm like, why the hell did you ask me? Like, seriously, why did you have me eh, fill that wrong.
2: in? Try if again, you're going to immediately
0: tell me, Yeah. <laughs>
2: I know. It's like that IRS video meme or whatever that goes around of like, you know, at tax time, like, hey, so I don't know how to do this. Can you just tell me how much I owe? And, you know, the IRS person's like, nope, you have to figure it out on your own. It's like, okay, well, what if I get it wrong? Oh, we'll know if you get it wrong. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, well, can you just tell me what I owe then? No, you have to do it. and then And then we'll tell you if you're wrong. And then we'll send you a penalty. It's like, you already know. Just tell me. Tell yeah. me what you think. And we'll go from there.
0: And if you're wrong, you could go to jail. So, yeah, good luck with that. Good luck. (laughs) Yeah. It's like, this
1: is, (laughs) there was a Seinfeld episode where Kramer's number became the number for movie phone, and people were calling, and he was trying to fake the voice for movie phone. And I don't know why this made me think of it, but movie (laughs) phone. He's like, why don't you just tell me what you want to (laughs) see? It's not relevant, but. (laughs) That's right. When you talk about the IRS, I just picture them (laughs) saying that.
3: Hello,
0: and welcome to Movie Phone. If you know the name of the movie you'd like to
1: see, press one.
0: Come on, come on.
1: Using your touchtone
2: keypad, please enter the first three letters of the movie title now. You've selected Agent Zero...
0: (laughs) If that's correct, press
1: one. What? Uh, You've selected Brown Eyed Girl. If this
0: is correct, press one. Why don't you just tell me the name of the movie you selected?
1: (laughs) That's the IRS.
0: Yes. I'm fairly certain Buffy's never told anybody to start that business. Don't, don't, don't be the new movie phone company. Uh, today's Haven Lifeline. We're throwing out to Melissa. Melissa actually asked this in our basement Facebook group, and I thought that uh, enough people asked this question, OG, that we would get your take for everybody. She said, "Can anybody recommend a fee free HSA? I need to roll one. They just started charging a monthly fee of three ninety five. After realizing my former employer wasn't paying anymore, the balance is more than $25,000 dollars. Melissa wondering about uh, fee-free HSAs. And while I'm not sure that we can recommend one originally, first of all, $3.95 OG for a monthly fee on a HSA.
2: Well, this is just another great example of what happens if you can't do, you know, order flow or whatever it is, right? Like there's some minimum viable cost that, that that company has determined is required to keep that product available. And it's 4 bucks a month, whether that's high or low is anybody's guess. But there's a gazillion places you can have an HSA that won't charge you anything. Almost every major brokerage company does. We use at our firm uh, Lively, which is a uh, combo cash, debit card, and brokerage account uh, organization. And uh, I don't believe that there's any cost that we have. But any of I mean you can go to the bank and set up an HSA if you want it to still stay in cash. Yeah. And it shouldn't be a charge. So so yeah, this is one of those ones that if you're being charged an HSA fee. And the interesting thing about HSAs, of course, is that you don't have to keep them with the place that they're, you know, that they start. You can move at any time. So if you're if your employer uses one that sucks for whatever reason, you can just take the money out and move it to wherever you want it to be. I wouldn't do it more frequently than once a year. Cause every time you do that, you're going to get a tax statement you have to reconcile at the end of the year. But, um, nevertheless, if you, if you don't like where it is, it's almost like a retirement plan. And especially if you have, uh, left your job, you want it to kind of consolidate those into one place, make life easier for yourself.
0: We had an interview last year with uh, Morningstar about this topic, and they do a great job of rating HSAs now. Uh, they've dug into that the past few years, and I know we've uh, talked to them on two different occasions, but on our show notes page, Melissa, we will link to that, uh, com, and just scroll down to today's show notes, and you'll see a link to that interview and also a link to where Morningstar compares those. And they compare them two different ways. OG, to your point, they compare HSAs where you're worried about having the money in cash because you need it for healthcare. And then they also compare, there's a second comparison, which is the comparison of if you're worried about investing it, right? Because some are fantastic if you're going to use the money for medical bills today and other ones are good at investing it. And some of us want both. We, we might want both those things. So head to our show notes page and we will link to a morning or go to morningstar.com and use their search feature. Uh, but we can point you right to it on our show notes page. Thanks for the question, Melissa. If you've got a question for us, stacky Benjamins.com slash voicemail is the place to go. As I go around the country, I see OG oh, f- sometimes people with the awesome Haven lifeline t-shirt, uh, that have called in and it's always good to see stackers sporting the awesome swag and knowing that, uh, that we're making people brighten their world. What makes you feel great, Joe? Seeing all those people with uh, free t-shirts and that I don't have
1: one? <laughs> like keeping that balance in the world?
2: <laughs> I like that this is what, a thing.
0: Just, I, <laughs> I don't like that the Citadel Overflow is a thing, but this is a fun thing. Maybe. Maybe. StaggyBenjamins.com slash voicemail. Let's move on. Moving along. Talk I'm about what's in, going
1: to call there. into that line. I'm going to sound like Kramer. I have a financial <laughs> question. Can you tell me about financial things? <laughs> and I wear an extra large. If you have an answer for me, press one. Press two
0: to send me a T-shirt. Hey, I am headed back out on the road as you're listening to this today. tomorrow. I will be in Longmont, Colorado at Mr. Money Mustache Headquarters. I'm going to be interviewed by our friend uh, Carl Jensen, uh, Mr. 1500, and we're going to have a great time there. On Wednesday, I will be in Denver, Thursday in Salt Lake City, Friday in Phoenix, and ending the book tour, unbelievably, finally ending the book tour on Sunday at 1 p.m. in uh, Summerlin, just outside of uh, Las Vegas. So, uh, Yes. Another big round of applause. StackingBenjamins.com slash stacked uh, to come join me, peeps. It's going to be a lot of fun. All right. If you're not here to talk about uh, hanging out and you're not here to hear Doug complain about T-shirts, you're here because (laughs) you need to get your financial house in order. Head to com slash OG because he and his team are taking clients and you can find out how to add their team To your team to think bigger about your financial goals. StackingBenjamins.com slash OG. All right, that's gonna do it for today. We are back here on Wednesday with more fun. Doug, what should we have learned today? Well, Joe, first, while we all want to be ballers, it's okay to crawl
1: first. You'll learn what you need to do and build the confidence to be strong with your career and money in the future. Second, want to win in your career? Maybe it's a good idea not to eat eggs before you head on out to smell the roses. But the big lesson? On World Productivity Day, remember that better productivity starts with a balanced breakfast. Like balancing the frosting on your third donut or having one Bavarian cream and one glazed. Balance is what it's all about, people. Big thanks to Buffy Purcell for joining us. You'll find more about Buffy at JustBeingBuffy.com. That's Buffy with an I-E. I don't think you're going to figure that out. Let me help you out with this one. J-U-S-T-B-E-I-N-G-B-U-F-F-I-E.com. This show is the property of SB Podcasts, LLC, copyright 2022, and is created by Joe High. Our producer is Karen Repine. The show is written by the brilliant Paulette Perhatch with help from Joe, me, and Doc G from the Earn and Invest podcast. After you listen to our show, check out the 201 Deep Dives written by our website manager and blog editor, Brooke Miller. You'll find the 411 on all things money at the 201. Just go to stackingbenjamins.com slash 201. Once we bottle up all this goodness, we ship it to our engineer, the amazing Steve Stewart. Steve helps the rest of our team sound nearly as good as I do right now. Want to chat with friends about the show later? Mom's friend Gertrude is our social media coordinator and the room mother in our Facebook group called The Basement. So say hello when you see us posting online. Here's a weird fact. Both she and Tina Eichenberg are never in the same room at the same time. To join all the basement fun with other stackers, type stackingbenjamins.com slash basement. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and we'll see you next time back here at the Stacking Benjamin Show. Not only should you not take advice from these dorks, don't take advice from people you don't know. This show is for entertainment purposes only. Before making any financial decisions, speak with a real financial advisor.
0: Been watching good series, OG, on TV. On the tube. You know, we call it the tube and there's no tubes in that thing anymore. No, they had a tubectomy. It's what the whole industry did a tubectomy on their TVs. But it makes it easier to carry. Remember the days of carrying those things
2: out when you'd move, OG? That's what I was gonna say. When we bought our house, the guy who owned our house before us, you know, we come in to move or to after we close, and and the whole house is empty except this big-ass box TV sitting <laughs> upstairs. <laughs> and I'm like, what the heck, man? So I called the realtor. I'm like, I'm like this has got to go. And he's like, oh, they thought you might want it. I'm like, I might want a 1974 box TV. Because they can't move it. No. Was
1: there an extra support column underneath it on the first floor? It like it to should support be. support that?
2: But we called... Uh, there's this great company, I'm sure. It's all over the... It's just a franchise. It's called Got Junk. Oh, yeah. And they... It's relatively inexpensive, but they will come in for a pretty small fee and just, you just point out stuff. You go, I don't want that. I don't want that. I don't want that. And they get a couple of burly dudes that take all your crap and throw it in the back of a truck and go, All right, see you later. And they hauled
1: it off and they brought in a team of seven people and hauled that teeve away.
2: It was two dudes and it was, they were professional bodybuilders, probably. That's my guess. <laughs> That's what they did in their free time. I was pretty certain that they were going to drop it down the stairs i was like there's a non-zero chance this thing ends up in the drywall and i'm just gonna watch it happen <laughs> and it, it didn't it just but the, but the whole time i was like i'm also really glad this isn't me yeah. you know having a hernia because there's a 100 percent chance i would have dropped it so
1: i don't know if you remember but there was this brief moment in time between tube tvs and flat screens when sony had a line called Wega. Vega, I don't know how you pronounced it, but it was W-E-G-A, and they, they were flat, whereas you know the old tubes had a little curve to them, and they also were kind of into the letter box format, the 16 by 9. I don't know if that was the actual uh-huh. ratio, but they were kind of wide. And This might
2: have been that one.
1: Yeah, uh, a friend of my dad's asked me to come over and help him move that. Oh, he's a young guy. Come on, let's have him come over and help out. And I had to look cool, like, oh yeah, I'm big and strong, and I was sweating bullets and could not... I mean, it was my dad and his buddy on the other side of the TV and me on on just one, you know, the other side You on the other side by with yourself the, with
2: the one little handle that you can hold like the, yeah. like two fingertips. Right. They're like like the designers are like, this will be enough leverage for them. They need they need exactly four millimeters of of their middle two fingers to be able to hold this. If you could do that, you can like rock climb, right? you know, yeah. freaking Yosemite or whatever, El Capitan yeah. all by yourself, you know, <laughs> without any chalk. That's what the uh, professional rock climbers use. Yeah. They carry old box TVs, so with handles.
1: But Joe, you were probably going to recommend some great show that you watched. And instead, we took us over into left center field there with a discussion about heavy yeah. television. It's
0: going to come in on a show I know that a lot of our listeners are already watching, but... I'm still just imagining OG sitting there with these two bodybuilder guys getting ready to drop the TV into his drywall. And they look over at him and they're like, what's that you're reading? And OG says, my homeowner's insurance policy. He's just like, Leave, yeah, leaving yeah. through the
2: policy. Your liability yeah. policy. <laughs>
0: I'm just wondering, looking for the phone number, how we file a claim. We'll make sure
2: you guys have workers' comp. Right. <laughs> you guys have workers' comp, right?
0: I know there's a lot of people <laughs> out there watching this. Season five, Stranger Things.
1: That doesn't sound like 80s music.
3: Stars shining bright above you. Children, go no running. Night breezes seem to whisper, I love you. Birds singing in the sycamore tree. Dream a little dreamer.
2: me
0: clarify what sort of clues we're supposed to be looking for here the world is full of obvious things which nobody by any chance ever observes the world is full of obvious things it sounds so bright and sunny so nice and then it's not doug and i know how much you love those long <laughs> sound effect <laughs> things, but I love the juxtaposition there from the nice <laughs> 1950s into the uh, might not be what you think it is. And that's the thing about this series and about season five. It took Cheryl and I the first two episodes of season five to really get into it. In fact, about halfway through episode two, we hit pause to get up, get some water, or something I don't remember. And Cheryl's like, "Do you like this at all?" I'm like, "No, like, what happened to the campy, fun, exciting Stranger Things?" Either of you guys watching Stranger Things? Not this. I haven't dove it, divin' into d- dive, be in. dived.
1: Haven't jumped into this season yet. I yeah, I liked it. I was totally good with all the previous seasons but for whatever there was such a long break it just i hasn't now i've kind of lost that oh i can't wait for the net
0: so i haven't done Talk it about yet. not getting the visuals by the way that you only hear the sound <laughs> effects you guys uh, cannot see the visual here of og just taking his headphones off <laughs> and not being <laughs> so OG, does this mean you haven't watched any stranger things The, uh, this is not his kind of stuff, Doug. So I think it's, it's you and me, but I have to say at the end of episode two, Paul Reiser enters the show Mm, and all of a sudden it's like somebody plugged in the fun again. And he does this speech with 11, the main character in the entire show, the woman, the young woman with the superpowers. And, uh, all of a sudden it's game on. (laughs) Oh, OG's like the groundhog seeing it's <laughs> shadow right now, popping his head up in the screen. I've never quite seen him this playful. <laughs> Doug, you got a muscle through the first two episodes, but season five, a big thumb up. I've watched every single one after the first two episodes. I was just completely grossed. And by the way, now that I know what was going on. A big thumb up where? <laughs> big thumb up in the air. Like, go do <laughs> it. That doesn't sound like a good thing. But Siskel and Ebert always said two thumbs up, but it's just me. So it's my big thumb up.
1: I know, but but somehow it sounds naughty when you say a big thumb up. It's like I'm finishing
0: that sentence <laughs> and I don't like where it's going. Let me give Stranger Things a big thumb up. I think it's also yeah. where you put the emphasis too. Uh really, really good. There's two more episodes that are coming to end out this season uh, in early July. So can't wait for, to see the end of this. Um, and now that I know what was going on, uh, those first two episodes, like they kind of circle back to what you were really watching. You had to have it. Like, it's just one of those design things. So muscle through it peeps. If you really like season, if you like stranger things more of the same good stuff. Well, stackers, the show might be over, but the celebrations are just beginning because it is,